It's about that time for some nosebleed seats to show everyone can afford to listen to Zach Wolchuk alongside Eric Chiafalo. Happy hump day to you all, and it's time for a little Cowboys conversation here midweek. And Eric, we, of course, per usual, will recap last week's game, and then we'll finish it off by previewing ahead to the next week's game. There's a lot to get into with what happened on Sunday night with the Cowboys and the Texans, Eric. And my understanding is you got to watch this week. That I did. That I did. I got to watch it. Uh, you know, I was hoping to watch it a little bit more than I actually did because there ended up being a lot of – there was there was pizza, there was booze, uh, Johnny Football made an appearance. Uh, so there, there was just a lot of things happening. What? My mind was kind of all over the place, as were my eyeballs. Oh. But I did get to watch a decent amount of the game, and uh, it was certainly disappointing uh, from an offensive perspective. Yeah, well, so, like, I'm coming to work, and uh, I, I work my shift, and Eric's getting off his shift. And you said to me, you're like, man, don't even stress about it. I'm always going to win tonight. I know. What the hell happened? I felt terrible about that. I thought about that uh, as soon as they punted in overtime. Oh. I thought, wow, you know, I told Walchuk, man. dude, don't stress. Don't worry, this is a happy Sunday. He came in, I could tell. He you was said just, that you had a Yoda premonition. Yeah, I really did. I had a little, uh, he, he he came into my dream, had a conversation with me, and clearly Yoda was mistaken. And uh, it's a shame because, you know, we wanted a Cowboys victory. We wanted a Cowboys offensive output that would at least show 20 points on the board. It's really all you needed. It's really all you needed. And we just couldn't get it. And you walked into the studio for work, getting ready for the game, and I looked you dead square in the eyes, and I could see the sadness and the stress on your face. I could tell by the way you were walking. Uh, your sphincter was as tight as it has ever been. <laughs> Very and, tight. And I was just trying to loosen you up a little bit, and unfortunately I I was wrong about that. So I'm sorry. And uh, I know Dak gave you a phone call and apologized as well. Yeah, Dak's my guy. And, uh, I mean, he appreciates the support that he's he, he gets from the nosebleed seats uh, because I'm still in Dak's corner, and a lot of people are off the Dak, the Dak train. Is that just because of his dong? It's absolutely a big part of it, and I mean big part of it. I just wasn't sure if it was 75% or if it was, like, 99%. I think it's, like, 50-50, dong, other 50, quarterback. Okay. Fair. Yeah, absolutely fair. No, that's that's a great ratio. I was nervous about that game. I kind of had a feeling the Cowboys would lose it, and it did happen. Um, but it's certainly a game that they should have won. Uh, could have won. Maybe, maybe not should have. Could have won. There were plays to be had that they didn't make. Again, the offense was frustrating. But I, I like I said, to bring it back to Dak, Dak's getting killed. Dak's getting killed by local media. And when you're the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, we've seen it even throughout Tony Romo's career. And I think the football life will will shed light on that. If you still haven't seen it, you, you absolutely should. But, you know, I remember 10 years ago this time. Uh, it was 2008, and Tony Romo's getting all kinds of criticism. Like, is he the quarterback of the future? Is he the right guy? Because the Cowboys were coming off that incredible 13-3 and season Losing in the first in the divisional round, their first playoff game that year to the Giants, first number one overall seed to lose in the playoffs, and then the next year a very disappointing season, 
Stuff wasn't clicking all the way around, and the quarterback gets to blame. And that's just how it goes. But I went back and rewatched that game on Sunday. And am I going to say that Dak Prescott doesn't have areas that he needs to improve on? Absolutely, he does. I'm not trying to say Dak Prescott is playing at at an MVP level because he's not. He certainly needs to grow and improve as a a passer, namely with his accuracy. And that's something I was speaking to all offseason long when it comes down to his mechanics and his footwork. We talked about it at length. But I do think that he is a capable quarterback in this league, and he played well enough for them to get that victory. But he gets no help from that receiving core. And my Lord, when you're looking at Jeff Swaim and thinking that might be our best receiving weapon on a given Sunday, you're in some deep You're in some deep, deep And this team's in the Yeah. And they're trying to come out there and, and weed out of it together. But it really comes down to fourth down and one in overtime. You're in plus territory. You've got a first-round left tackle all pro. You've got a first-round left guard all pro. You don't have your first-round and all pro center, but you got a, a pretty good center. Joe Looney's been playing well. And then you've got a guard. Excuse me, your right guard is the first-round all pro. Your left guard is a second-round pick that had a first-round grade. You've built this offensive line. This offensive line is the identity of your football team. And, oh, by the way, you're running back. Fourth overall pick, all pro. What are we going to do, coach? Fun play defense, huh? I don't get it. I didn't get it at the time, and it's easy to second guess. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are second guessing, rightly so. Jason Garrett's logic is not idiotic. I can understand it. Play field position, pin him at the 10. Your defense has been playing well. If you go a three and out, you're going to get the ball back in good field position with a chance to kick a field goal and win the game. But it just says a lot to your football team, sends the message like, guys, I believe in you, both ways. Send the offense out there, let's go win it. And if we don't get it, defense, you guys have been working your ass off, I still believe in you to get a stop. So whichever message you want to send, you're sending it. If anything, you're just being aggressive to try to win the football game. Jason Garrett plays not to lose. He plays safe. The play calling is safe. Everything about this team is safe. We're going to play not to beat ourselves. When you don't have players that are executing on the football field with drop city Deontay Thompson, you got balls deflecting off receivers' hands that are getting intercepted, putting your quarterback and your defense in bad positions now. You can't set a running game going because the front seven you're playing against defensively is damn good. So your running game's not where it usually is. But you're in a position to win. It's fourth and one. Go for the damn fourth down and trying to win the football game. And that right there to me is the straw that broke the camel's back. I will fight for Dak. I will not fight for that coach and that coaching staff. As far as I'm concerned, they should be coaching their last games. Regardless on if they win this crappy NFC East and make the playoffs and lose in the first round to Carolina, Minnesota, Green Bay, whoever it's going to be, I don't care if it's 5-11 and or 9-7 and and they get in. This coaching staff needs to go at the end of the year. Maybe not everybody on the defensive side. I like Rashard and Marinelli. They're putting together a good good thing there. But Linehan, Garrett, Sanjay Lal, I don't care what, who it is, man. We need some fresh blood up in here. No more Sanjay. Huh? No, more, no more Sanjay. 
Unless the new head coach decides, I like this Sanjay guy. Yeah, but he was making the, the receiver's hand so strong with oh, those, so those strong. Uh, what were those, those cinder blocks that they were carrying during training camp? I yeah. Mean, come on, he's he's improved that receiving core tremendously. So much. It's just, uh, you know, you got the offensively less than five yards per play on Sunday night. And obviously Houston's got a good defense, but they they really dominated that offensive line uh, for a good portion of that game. Clowney, Watt, Tyron Smith, I don't know. He probably had his worst game I've seen Tyron Smith play yeah. in recent memory. Yeah, because even of the, the little bit, you know, between the Johnny football, the pizza, and the Coors, it was it was still noticeable that Tyron Smith was not himself. And, um, man, when that's the case, your offensive line's not good, your receivers are not good, it it eliminates your running back because you have no threat of throwing the ball downfield and your offensive line isn't that good. So now your running game's not very good. And so this offense is bad. I'm t- 4.9 yards per play is a recipe for losing games. Four for 14 on third down is a recipe for losing games. And, and third down always begins on first and second, obviously. I'm sure you guys aren't in a bunch of third and twos and not converting. You're probably finding yourselves in a lot of third and sevens. Yeah, now the third, third and, and twos, the third and ones, those were the four out of the 14. Yeah. The third and five plus is where they're well, they're not going to convert this. And I saw the stat of, of well, since Dak and Zeke have been there, it's they're like 18 of 19 on fourth and one, mm. something like that. Mm. Uh, but this is not the same Dak and Zeke team of the other 19 fourth and ones. You know, the, the 19... The 18 for 19 on fourth and one with, with Dak and Zeke was also with the best offensive line in football and at least somewhat of a passing threat on any given moment between Witten, Dez, and uh, you know just a generally better offensive team uh, from a personnel standpoint. So this is not the same Dak and Zeke offense running out there on fourth and one. Uh, I just want to make that note because it, it, that offensive line was getting dominant. They got... The play before, wasn't it a run to Zeke that they couldn't convert on third and two? I, I don't think it was third and two. Uh, I think it was third and seven, and they picked up five or six yards to make it a fourth and what Garrett would say is a long one. Well, it was, a, and I would agree with him there. I mean, you can be nitpicky. It definitely wasn't uh, equivalent to the Los Angeles sure Rams and the Seattle Seahawks no, fourth and that inches. that was much, where they much closer. That is a half a yard. But this is a yard and a half, either which way, is a huge difference. Who's the one player on this team offensively that's any good? Uh, well, I mean, b- between Deontay Thompson, Jarwin, Swaim, uh, it's, it's there were a three-headed monster, elite really. elite players on both of those offenses. DeAndre Hopkins for the Texans and Ezekiel Elliott for the Dallas Cowboys. In overtime, Houston gets the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. He makes a play. Ezekiel Elliott, granted was he bottled up most of the game, but on fourth and one, where a play needs to be made by your elite guy, you don't give him that chance. You don't give him the chance. You lose, you lose. You eat it. You went for it. You were aggressive. You live with it. But it it hurts a lot more when now you're playing the well shoot game and your defense didn't come through and they were put in a better situation. First and 10 for Houston at the 10-yard line. It didn't matter. I really don't think it mattered if it was first and 10 for Houston at the 41. Yeah. Well, and you're talking about a defense that, though they overall played well, 
they were still the ball was moving on them throughout the game. They were you know? really I mean, good were in the red in the zone. red zone when it really counted, trying to keep them out of the end zone. Absolutely, but all all the Texans need at that point is a field goal, and they've been moving it up and down the field on you all game, and it's been a long game, and you're on the road in overtime, and to think your defense can come up with another big stop is is asking quite a bit. No question, it's asking quite a bit. It just it's frustrating. It is what it is now, but clearly, uh, there's a lot that is yet to be desired with with this coaching staff right now on the offensive side of the football. I mean, it's just boring. It, it's boring, and it, it's just it's the same old thing, you know. And they can talk about how they're creative here. When, when the most exciting thing is they're running an, a hurry up, and that was not consistent. There was just no rhythm at all on that offense. At least the Detroit game, they came out, they got in some rhythm. You know, there would be a play here and there. Zeke racks off a big run, first down. Comes back, racks off another big run, first down, flag. Holding, bring it back, first and 20. Screws your drive. Now you've got a punt. You know, it's things like that where you want to play safe and you want to say we're not going to beat ourselves. We're going to play our style of football game and hope they make mistakes and we can capitalize off of it that's fine, but you better damn well execute, and you better damn well not have those kind of penalties. Yeah. And, and the th- Cowboys aren't a good enough team to play like that. You've got to take some chances. Exactly, and that's really the problem with the Cowboys because if they don't if they don't play com- completely you know, clean football, if they're not slopping anyway, they, if they, they can't shoot themselves in the foot, you know, then they're okay. But they, they, their margin for error is so small, the, the, the false start, on second and seven, now making it a second and 12, kills your drive because you have nothing offensively that can overcome just a minor setback like that. When you look at the best offenses in the league, the best teams in the league, and there's only a small few of them, but when you look at them, the Rams, the Chiefs, etc., when it's second and seven and they get that false start like every offense does from time to time and it becomes second and 12, it's okay. They're going to end up getting that first down. When the when it happens to the Cowboys, you know, okay, second and twelve means recipe for disaster. This is this is going to end in a punt. One one holding call, one false start call, and your drive dies. The best offenses that doesn't kill you at all. First and fifteen, first and twenty, you're still confident as can be. Dallas Cowboys second and twelve, you already know what's going to happen in two plays. We're going to send our punter out of here. What's his name, Chris Jones? Mm-hmm. And he's a hell of a punter. God, is he good. Really good. What a weapon. This is out there too often. All the time. Look, the special teams hadn't been a problem. You got a hell of a punter, and you got a damn good kicker. After all the bitching and whining that went on about cutting Dan Bailey. I know, and then he goes out and misses two Minnesota Viking field good goals. Lord. I, I would love to hear how Mike Zimmer reacted to that in the press conference. Oh, man. But again, I don't think the quarterback's your biggest problem. There's a lot that goes into it. Does the quarterback need to play better? Him and everybody else. Now, the the bright spot was you got two backers, man. This team's got two backers yeah. that you can be excited about That's now. That's fair. Vander Esch, neck brace and all, that dude is a, a heck of a player. He's the real deal. He's really been impressive. He really has. He flies sideline to sideline. The dude is going. I haven't seen him really get off of blocks, and I don't know if that's just me being too engrossed in the in the pizza and the Coors and the Johnny football. But 
Um, I haven't seen him just engage in a blocker, shed the block, and make the tackle in the hole. Everything I've seen is just him seeing it, hitting the hole. There's, there's, he, he doesn't have to get off a block, but he's going to make the tackle. He's been a very sure tackler. And he's been great sideline to sideline. He seems to have you know, good instincts in terms of knowing where the ball's going pretty much at all times. The only thing I haven't seen, and maybe you have, is just the getting off of blocks. That's really be the only other thing I would like to you see. Know, and I think that that's a, that's a good observation by you, uh, probably something that we do need to see more of. But the good thing is, is really he's just been so intelligent of working around him. Yeah, that's, that's the true. thing. That's a good point. You know, he's just he's really good at either Avoiding finding a seam or taking a correct angle. To where he's able to get around a coming offensive lineman, he cuts underneath, and now all of a sudden, boom! There's 55. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's been awesome, and it's it's just nice to see the Cowboys' defense without Sean Lee still be respectable. Right. And that play Jalen Smith made on Deshaun Watson play of the year. Oh man, that was and a losing effort play of the year. Yeah, no, that was <laughs> that was an awesome. Awesome play there by Jalen Smith. Deshaun Watson, I know just a quick sidebar here. Deshaun Watson, though he is a good quarterback, and I think that's pretty evident, the accuracy, you could see the difference between Prescott and Watson in terms of ball placement, no question. Deshaun Watson's got a little RG3 in him, and what I mean by that is he takes way too many hits. And you saw RG3's career end in a blink of an eye, and if Deshaun Watson's not careful, dude, get out of bounds slide definitely you cannot keep taking these shots let jeff heath come over and light you up man good god and then and then jalen smith is coming and smacking you and then xavier woods is coming and smacking you you cannot take those you look over to the sideline and they got a masseuse and a chiropractor over there working on them between series deshaun you you need to figure it out brother yeah yeah i understand why they're sore homie i mean my god bro find the sideline you know, learn how to slide. Otherwise, you're a hell of a quarterback, and the accuracy, I'm sure, made you a little envious. Definitely. But I thought you saw two quarterbacks that were very similar, using their legs to extend some plays. Uh, Dak Prescott got out of, and you're right, you know, no, no doubt with Watson and the accuracy, but Dak Prescott made Clowney, Watt, Several guys miss on several different occasions that should have been blow-up sacks in the backfield for 5- to 10-yard losses and is somehow making it a positive play or a potential positive play if he got any bleeping help from that receiving core. If anybody could catch a damn ball, the one that really sticks out to me is he goes over to the right side of the field, he's zigging and zagging, runs right, and his feet weren't set, which is always the damn problem. If you notice the one throw, the big 43-yarder to Tavon Austin, that he heaved down the left sideline, that Zeke was also in the same area. So After it was broke clearly not a sacks. Yeah, yeah, it was clearly not a design. I mean, this is just like we're playing back to the football. But he sets his feet when he gets over to the left side. He squares up and delivers a freaking rifle down the sideline on the money to Tavon. This one... He's rolling to his right, his feet are square, he's jump throwing, and he's he gets it there to Deontay Thompson, but it's a low ball, so he's got to go down low to try and scoop it, and he's just not talented enough to make the damn play. But he got it there. If it's a competent receiver, they can just dive underneath it and make the damn catch. There you go, you're moving the chains. He's just not getting the help. So you've got a combination of Dak Prescott, who is struggling with accuracy, no doubt about it, but... He just doesn't have the kind of receiving core that can step up and make a play if a ball's low 
or if a ball's wide or if a ball's high. He's got the kind of talent on the football field to where he's got to be perfect or these guys aren't going to bail him out of any situations. So any kind of inaccuracy that Dak's having is magnified to the 10th degree. You know what I'm saying? For sure. 100%. So if he had a guy it, like DeAndre bad. Hopkins, Definitely. you know, something like that, that could make up for some of those errors, no question. But, uh, yeah, I think what you're seeing now is you have a quarterback who's decent. You can win games with him, but he needs to have a considerable amount of uh, better personnel at the skill positions, at the offensive line, and ideally – schematically, you know, a smarter coach that can make things a little bit easier. I agree 100%. From, from just a schematic standpoint. So, that's, that's the big thing. Yeah. So it's just kind of a recipe for disaster right now for the Cowboys offense, not not doing enough on the They need to go ground, back to a college style. And, yeah. and right now that's not something that you should be ashamed of doing. I mean, look at what Kansas City is doing to make Mahomes. And, and they did that. That's the thing. We talked about it two weeks ago. They did that with Dak his rookie year because they were concerned Here's a fourth-round pick. He was our third stringer a month ago. Now he's our starter. Let's go ahead and simplify this thing and work around his skill set. Now he's in the third year of his career. He's won some games, and they're thinking, no, dude, you're in our system now. Put your big boy britches on and go out there and execute our system. The Cowboys are not one of those teams that are going to build around their current personnel, and that's what screws them. It's a huge problem. That's a huge flaw in a coach and a coaching staff. If if you're if you're so stubborn and dead set on what you do, even though you don't have the personnel to do it, that is incredibly stubborn. And really, the 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 the, the strategy, the scheme that they have in place, is really something that can only work if you have superior talent across the board at pretty much every position offensively, similar to what they had in 2014. Absolutely, and now. You've got the Jacksonville Jaguars, the number one defense in football. Yeah, I mean, if you want to go glass half full on it, it down. Offensively, you get to you get to go up against the Jaguars defense now, you know, and that's just who are probably pretty pissed after getting spanked on the road by the Chiefs. Yes, yes. I wonder if uh how how fright I mean, I, I we're probably just a mere hours away from hearing some Jalen Ramsey comments about this Cowboys offense at He's his, licking his Wednesday chops. presser. Yeah, I'm sure he's not overly frightened. He's probably not even preparing. No, I honestly, there's, there's I not think... a single threat that, <laughs> yeah. that could, he's worried about. He's more probably thinking, man, maybe I should go into the box and play linebacker. I'll get more action in this game. Yeah, I think Jalen is probably taking the week off somewhere, sunny Florida, sipping on a drink with an umbrella in it, and he knows come Sunday he's going to have probably – the the easiest matchup he will personally have all season. Well, who's he who's he got to guard? Allen Hearns. They're, they're, the Cowboys He's probably faced trotting. Allen Hearns before. Oh yeah, and he's dominated, dominated him, him right? They're probably going to trot Tavon out there for his three snaps and think, all right, we got to go here. You can run right by Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, yeah. Throw I mean, it up, Dak. Oh my goodness, did he just pick that? Oh, tackle, guys. Oh no. Oh, oh no. Oh, Jalen Ramsey just scored a touchdown pick six, and the Cowboys lose seven to negative 50. Hello, two and four. Fook you. I do, is this the Cowboys home game? Yeah. I do think the Cowboys, I do think it's a, a, a close game. I do think it's a similar game to the Texans, just because the Jags' offense is also pretty bad when you consider Bortles, good God, and then uh, consider the fact that Fournette's out. 
you know, so they they don't have much doing on offense, and your defense is yeah. clearly playing well. So that's true. This is another defensive battle game. Which quarterback's going to screw it up? You think Bortles is more likely? I think to that screw Bortles would be than, more likely to screw it up than Dak. It's obviously like if the Cowboys can come out, and surprisingly, I don't know. This is tough because Calais Campbell is really good. You're dang right, he is. But outs- why. Maybe outside, he got his education at the University of Miami. Is he a Miami guy? He sure is. Yeah. Outside of Calais, I don't think their defensive line is as good as Houston's was, but their linebackers are better. Linebackers are, are better, yes. I, I do think on the interior, you still have Marcel Darius. There's still Darius, and there's Malik Jackson, Malik but I, th- Jackson. I think those guys are more like names than they are playing exceptionally well like still good players i think darius might surprise you you think so darius might surprise you but you might be right on malik jackson i, yeah. I can't i can't say a i word mean like on the malik one jackson. dude that i know is a better is on the same level as a clowny as a watt as a kwan short guys they've already played is campbell sure i don't know that you know I, i'm necessarily going to say that darius and uh malik jackson at this stage in his career are quite on that same tier so for this offensive line, it's it's not like you haven't seen a front this talented before. That shouldn't shock them. But damn those linebackers. Miles Jack and Telvin Smith are so fast. Good know, luck to those tight speed, ends. The you know. speed on that is they're, they're gonna makes eat it incredibly. up those three tight ends yes. alive. Yes, they they're are. not gonna be able to throw the football to them. And then you think Bouye and, and Ramsey on the outside. Can you shut down can, Hearns? Yeah, and, shut and then down it's like, well, you got Deontay Beasley in Thompson. the slot. Can he do something? And then Barry Church is going to know every single sign and offensive oh, play. God, I didn't even think so they're about screwed. that. Yeah. What they're going to have to do is read option. Dak and Zeke do their thing, but they're too damn stubborn to run that. God forbid we run something that might work. I see this being another one of these 19 to 16 games where Jason Garrett finds a way to lose it. Yeah, he finds a way to you? lose a lot. And it's kind of I just I think don't it's have kind of what you're looking for. I don't have point. any confidence. I think you're looking for losses game. at this point. I mean, don't you want to go five and eleven? It's hard for me as a fan to ever root for defeat. I never will. But yeah, if you if we want a coaching change, I just for some reason have it in my feet in my gut, and just from watching this football team, basically every single game of my life, I do think that it's starting to resonate with the Joneses. They're starting to now see, okay, we're 10 years with Garrett. We we know we love the guy. And from all I've heard is Garrett's a great guy. But I think they're starting to realize now that, man, this dude's just an 8-8 eight and eight average football coach. And the mediocrity train needs to stop somewhere. And the time's coming now. So regardless on what happens the remainder of this season, unless this team goes on some magic carpet ride and they're able to finish 13-3 and and they win out or they finish 11-5 and and win eight of their last ten games, whatever the hell it is, I think Jason Garrett's job should be in jeopardy. And I think that it is more so in recent years. He's probably still very comfortable, hence why he punts at fourth and one. But I do think that the more... And the more momentum that's now building, the already disservice and dissatisfying taste in the fan base's mouth for Jason Garrett that, that they already had coming into this season, and now through the first five games, it's certainly gotten worse. There's been no benefit at all to what's happened. I think the time is coming. I think the time is coming. And when we're sitting here next week, 
after the Jacksonville Jaguars come into AT&T and make mincemeat of the Dallas Cowboys, and they're 2-4, and four, maybe we'll be that one step closer. The thing is, they'll come back, they'll beat Washington, they'll be 3-4 and four going into the bye week, and they'll probably still be in a tie for first place of the division. They'll be getting Sean Lee back from that hamstring, and they'll be thinking, okay, can we fix this offense during the bye, and by gosh darn it, this defense is going to be badass because it's already been really good and we're getting our best player back. We'll see. We are the Nosebleed Seats Podcast. Zach Wolchuk alongside Eric Chiafalo. Happy Wednesday, everybody. We love each and every one of you. We'll be back tomorrow for a Thirsty Thursday special. Woo! Almost lost my voice there. It's a good old-fashioned bleep around, everybody. We're bringing it to you. Enjoy it. We love you. Hugs and hand pounds, everybody. Take care of each other. Peace.